welcome to the Pediatric Anesthesia Journal's featured article of the month podcast for October 2021. These monthly podcasts are published on the journal's website, and you can also subscribe to them via iTunes, Google, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Dr. Devnath Chatterjee, and I'm one of the journal's education editors. This month's featured article is entitled Error Traps in Pediatric Difficult AV Management. It is my distinct pleasure to welcome the first author, Dr. Lisa Son, and the senior author, Dr. Sim Jaganathan. Both are pediatric anesthesiologists at the Anne and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital of Chicago. Welcome to this podcast, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for this opportunity and for selecting our article. Thank you so much for including us, and uh, we look forward to participating in this podcast. Perfect. So let's get started. Managing a difficult pediatric airway is associated with significant morbidity, especially in neonates and infants. Your article focuses on avoiding common error traps while securing the pediatric airway, and you have categorized them into three major error traps, errors in preparation, errors in performance, and errors in proficiency. Let's start with the first error trap, preparation error from inadequate planning and communication. Can you please explain further? Um, our goal with each of these three categories was to highlight common preventable sources of errors in pediatric difficult airway management. Because difficult airway management is a team sport, inadequate anticipation and planning, combined with lack of communication of those plans can lead to confusion and chaos, delays in the ability to provide appropriate patient care, and increased complications, especially in extreme time pressure situations with a rapidly declining patient. So you mentioned the role of cognitive biases that can lead to errors. So in the first category, what is authority bias and how can it affect AV management? Authority bias is the predisposition to accept the viewpoint of a perceived authority figure as being more relevant or credible which can impact how team members process conflicting goals or approaches to airway management. For example, if an otolaryngologist's main rescue technique is to intubate with a rigid bronchoscope, even if that approach may be failing, some anesthesiology providers may not feel empowered to suggest moving on to another advanced airway technique with which they may have more expertise with, like intubation through a supraglottic airway with a flexible bronchoscope. Additionally, identifying the individual with the most appropriate experience may not always be straightforward based on hierarchy. An example of this would be an anesthesiology trainee perhaps having more relevant experience with airway management in a large teenage patient than a pediatric critical care attending might. So you propose using a structured airway management timeout. What does this involve? The successful execution of an airway management plan requires clear communication with a shared understanding of expectations and the role each team member is responsible for including next steps if the first plan is unsuccessful. Routine use of a structured timeout can help standardize communication of critical information. Details should include introduction and role assignment, review of the patient status, and the need for awake airway management or uh, airway management after induction of general anesthesia. Other considerations are the need to determine whether a spontaneous breathing technique or a controlled ventilation strategy may be better, one or the other may be better, a plan for uh, passive oxygenation or an oxygenation plan, 
with communication of adequate backup plans and the availability of experienced help, which may be other anesthesiologists as well as uh, an otolaryngologist or even an ECMO team. Uh, additionally, this uh, lays out clear expectation before uh, airway management takes place. So that makes sense. The second category is performance errors, such as multiple direct laryngoscopy attempts. What is anchoring bias and how can we optimize the chances of first attempt success? Anchoring is also referred to as fixation bias or tunnel vision and may contribute to clinicians not making appropriate adjustments to match the needs of the current situation. Additional factors may be related to a clinician's familiarity with a given technique or the influence of an omission bias, which is a propensity for inaction for fear of being wrong or causing harm. And this can prevent a clinician from rapidly considering alternative techniques or taking the next step of a difficult airway algorithm. These cognitive biases can be further reinforced if there is a perceived hierarchy and presence of an authority bias. The bottom line is that persisting with failing providers or techniques is a critical performance error and detrimental to successful airway management. Several recent studies have uh, also identified multiple tracheal intubation attempts as the most significant contributing factor leading to increased risk of complications during pediatric airway management. Therefore, the, the goal of successful airway management should be to optimize tracheal intubation with the first attempt or ensuring first pass success. The use of passive oxygenation or apneic oxygenation, even with a simple nasal cannula, can prolong the time to oxygen desaturation, especially using when using an indirect technique such as video laryngoscopy or a bronchoscope-assisted intubation, all of which have shown to improve or better first attempt success rates when compared to direct laryngoscopy. Additionally, we should ensure an adequate depth of anesthesia before airway management as these are also important to uh, ensure that the first attempt uh, could be successful. So moving on to the third category of proficiency errors, that is being unfamiliar with advanced airway techniques and skill degradation. How do we approach this at the personal and at the institutional level? As with all technical proficiencies, skill degradation is inevitable if it is not maintained. A Dunning-Kruger effect can lead to overestimating one's abilities or underestimating the need for help, which may prevent a clinician from asking for appropriate assistance. Waiting until one encounters a difficult airway to utilize these airway techniques is not ideal for skill acquisition or mitigating preventable errors. Additionally, technology and best practices in airway management are continually evolving, and it is our personal responsibility to our patients to stay informed and be familiar with the advantages and limitations of different devices and techniques. On an institutional level, identifying airway experts to be mentors for an anesthesiology department will help reduce variability in airway management between clinicians. A successful example of this concept is the implementation of departmental airway leads, which has been successful in other countries, such as in Australia, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom. Regularly uh, reviewing uh, difficult airway cases can help assist in identifying gaps to help target improvement efforts and learning opportunities for clinicians beyond just the technical skills required for air successful airway management. That makes sense. So before we wrap up, any concluding remarks? Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to highlight our work by raising awareness to a 
to concerning issues that are germane to us as pediatric anesthesiologists. Airway management is at the core of what we do. And although we have come a long way over the recent years with research, education, and adaptation of new technologies to improve best practices in airway ma management, there are still identified gaps and opportunities that will require careful consideration for coming up with effective and consistent solutions that will help reduce morbidity and improve the way in which we practice airway management for the children that we serve. Thank you so much, Lisa and Sim. This has been a lovely discussion. We appreciate you taking the time to chat and we look forward to more contributions from you and your team. Thank you. Thank you very much. So this wraps up our featured article of the month podcast for October, 2021. This article will be available for free on the journal's website soon. Follow us on Twitter on at PD Anesthesia. Please join us for next month's featured article of the month podcast. Until then, cheers.